So in our Bible study this morning then, this week, we're looking at Elijah again. Famous, brave, strong, all of that. And then how he ran away in a time of stress from Queen Jezebel. And how his faith wavered. But how he left unfinished business. All of that. And yet, we'll see just how wonderful and gracious God was to him. Do I hear a me too here? I think I do. I can say the same. So we pick up the account then where God says to Elijah, go back the way you came. But notice in the reading, it's going further. Go to the desert of Damascus. And if you look on that map I've done, it's about another 30, 40 miles from where he came from, at least, into the desert. It's even further he's got to travel. It's a vast distance that's involved in Elijah's trek back from Horeb, Mount Sinai, right down south, right up north to this desert. And I've worked out on the scale, which is a scale on the map, it is about 350 miles. Now, there's teaching in that, isn't there? Sometimes coming back, not always, but quite often, it can be so difficult. And we need, in a spiritual way this is, and we need patience and we need repentance. God says to you and me, quite often, you must go back the way that you actually came. And we looked at this last week briefly, but yes, you may have to do things on your way back and you may have to put things right. And again, we can sympathise with Elijah because we so often find ourselves like Elijah. But notice, God gives him a specific brief. If you look at point number two, he didn't just say, go back. There were things that he had to do. And it's quite detailed. And it's interesting. First, he says, you must go and anoint Hazel, king of Aram, an enemy king, because God would use him in the end later on to actually punish Israel then he says and now go and also anoint Jehu king over Israel because he later on would destroy the Baal worshippers and last he actually says go and anoint Elisha his successor and he will be your understudy, I've called it, your successor. But it would be about ten years later. And you begin to see from this how God can and does use 
his very enemies to carry out his will. Go back, says God to, to Elijah. Now go back the way you came. What to? Punishment and discipline? No. No. You're going back to blessing, to help, and to encouragement. But there's work to be done, mind. And if we do, and when we do, backslide from God, he does say to us, doesn't he? Now you need to go back. I've still got a work for you to do. We need to go back with a willing heart, don't we? Not resentful, because we got it wrong. But in his will for us. And how hard that really is for us at times, isn't it? It's only God's grace can make you willing to do that and make you to be subservient and willing to do what he has for you. Did Elijah go back, I wonder, with a willing and a repenting heart? I'm sure he did. So back to Elijah. We're not told in that Bible account that Nancy read how long it actually took him to go back. We read it took him 40 days and 40 nights to get there in the first place. We looked at this last week. And this time, he has a longer journey, another 30, 40 miles to the Damascus Desert. Perhaps he had a spring in his step and did the journey quicker. We're not told. But you notice he went willingly. And then you notice the first thing he actually did, he went and found Elisha, his successor, his understudy. And he was unknown to Elijah. Elisha would have heard of Elijah. Yes, he was a famous prophet of God. I don't think, doesn't say, that Elisha would have known Elijah. But Elijah was, he was a very strong, determined, forceful man of great faith and courage. Given, obviously, huge resources of strength. But here we see his vulnerability, don't we? How that echoes you and me. Point three. So we think of that lovely truth. It's only, and I quote, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. From It's in the book of Philippians. And we do need to have our eyes fixed on Jesus to help us in these situations. So after... Elijah's encounter with the Baal prophets on Carmel and God himself at 
Horeb, as we looked at last week, he's given a new lease of life. But, as we said, he's got specific instructions. Elisha was to understudy Elijah, and it's not in, you have to work it out, but I've worked out it is over 10 years that he actually understudied Elijah. And he would be a wonderful strength, wouldn't he, to Elijah during this awful rain and the conditions in King Ahab and Queen Jezebel's time. And it seems those years with both Elijah and Elisha working together, they were possibly the worst years of Ahab's reign. It was dreadful what was going on. And it's interesting, if you look in the account there, during those ten odd years, only Elijah is mentioned. You see, Elijah... He did not come back from running away with everything sorted out. No, if anything, he came back to a worse situation. But God had now provided a helpmeet, we might call him. This man, this dear man Elisha, he's now here to help, to assist What a difference it makes, doesn't it, in life generally, to have somebody loyal to you and me, kind, patient, helpful, always alongside you. Yes, that's great. You say, oh, yes. But wait, you dear friends here, you have one. You have a greater friend. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is to be alongside you and help you. So what have you to do? You've to ask God to help you carry on with the tasks perhaps some of you have got. They might be really challenging this week. The work you've got to do, I don't know what it may be, at school even. He can be and is your helper. And you will only be able to do it with God's help. So you must ask him. But back to Elisha. What an example then. Suddenly giving up his profitable farm work. Can you imagine it? Here is Elisha. He's got 12 yoke of oxen. He's doing farm work. I imagine he's one of the seniors or he even owns the farm. And he's just going to leave his family, just like that. He, yet he's got to wait 10 years, but he does patiently, to take over from Elijah. from when he met him the first time when Elijah cast his cloak onto Elisha, which is a sure sign of 
succession. But before that, he's just got to assist and help. And we're not looking at the life at the moment of Elisha, but think what Elisha did. He gave up his business, it would appear, immediately. A good farm. Did more than that. He sacrificed all the animals, burnt them and gave all the meat and had a meal and gave it to everybody. You think of the implications of that. The grace. Why was that? Because he had such a word or a, an effect from God that this is what he must do. He just did it willingly. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? So his early actions, this is Elisha, they are to be commended. And it would appear that Elisha had no schooling in the prophet's college like Elijah would have done or anything else. And he'd not met Elijah before. But you see, such was this powerful call of God he just gave everything up and followed Elijah as his attendant. Not, not the chief, attendant, assistant, call it what you will, successor. And when God calls you and me by his matchless grace and his favour, whether it's for the first time or whether it's not the first time. We are to unquestionably do what Jesus asks and, and we are just to follow him. And also to leave perhaps the many questions you may have and to trust by faith the Lord to guide you and help you. Not always very easy. And as the Bible gently prompts us, look at point four. We walk by faith and not by sight. And that's not easy. We like to see where we're going in life, don't we? Not just say, I will leave it to the Lord to provide. So during those years of Elisha and Elijah working together, Baal wickedness, it still reigns and it's rife. But all is planned by God. And in the time to come, Elijah, you'll remember he was tired and weary. He is able in time, in God's time, to what we might say, lay down his staff and pass the cloak to Elisha to carry on the work. Now, you'll see what we looked at, I think, last week. You see the prayer of Elijah all those ten years plus back that he might die. And that was answered in a remarkable way. No, he didn't die. Elijah's ministry 
if you look at point five, it lasted, in fact, 27 years. And Elisha's ministry was 41 years. Elisha actually asked Elijah for a double portion of Elijah's spirit, point six. That was a very wise request, wasn't it? And it was given, just like King Solomon of old. In our day, if we ask God for good and pure things, he will honour us as well. And in accordance with his perfect will, he'll grant it. So in this story, we see Elijah, he's taken up to heaven without dying. He's only the second in Bible history. Enoch of old, very old, was the first, but he didn't go in that manner. Elijah then is taken up in a chariot of fire and horses, and he's gone. We're not told why God chose that way. But he goes in state and in triumph, doesn't he? Now, when God's children die, no, they don't go in a chariot of fire or horses. No, they don't. But those same angels, yes, they do. They come and carry God's children safe to heaven because all God's children are precious and God sends his angels to take those dear ones that die to himself. That's a lovely thought, isn't it? A consideration, perhaps, that requires some thought is the reason of Elijah's transport that we've read about here. Now, if you go to the transfiguration in the New Testament, which we looked at last week, in fact, you'll see that Moses, Elijah, and Jesus were there on the mountain discussing things, weren't they? Now, Moses and Elijah, I would think, are considered the two greatest prophets of old. And both had a remarkable passage to heaven. Seven. Look another time, but if you look in Deuteronomy 34, you'll see actually that Moses, he had a remarkable death because God buried him himself. He took him up the mountain, Mount Nebo, God himself. And then God himself buried Moses after he'd viewed the wonderful landscape of the promised land. It was, a, it was a wonderful thing that God did for Moses. So quite a remarkable death in that sense. And Elijah then is taken by chariot. And we know that Jesus himself, 
he ascended, went up into the clouds to heaven after his resurrection. And so all three of those are remarkable ascents into heaven. Each different, but each one very, very telling. Now to draw this to a close then, we see each one of these, we've mentioned Moses, Elijah, Jesus. If you think of it, we have Moses passing the baton, the staff, to Joshua. And then you have Elijah that we've been looking at passing the staff or the baton to Elisha. Then go on several hundred years and then you have Jesus and he's passing the staff or the baton to his disciples. And then down the ages of time, you've got his disciples passing the baton, the staff, to his followers. Right down the line to you and to me. number eight because this is important now will you and I pass that same baton or staff of this great story of the love of God will you pass it on I know some of you have you've been talking about your dear children they've gone off but you've passed it on and they may come back we pray they will so will it stop with you? No, it won't. We've seen then Elijah's story end in triumph. And Elisha's work, which we're not looking at now, but Elisha's work begins. Now for our day then, we do have the cloak that's been given us. Do pass it on. You and I have a legacy, that cloak, that same wonderful news. Yes, Elijah and Elisha, they've left very, very big shoes to fill, haven't they? Now, are you and I willing, however daunting the task is for you and I, are you willing to try and regarding your lovely little church here, God has a purpose. If we do pray, it will be to replenish and to grow it, which passes on that same baton or staff to others. So be encouraged today. Elijah a great man, a brave man, a strong man, but not perfect like us. Our example, we can learn from Elijah, but our great example, it's not in Elijah, no. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ. He was and is the only one who is and was perfect. Remember, he came from heaven 
to deal with our imperfections and our sins. He died for sinners like you and me. He is our great example. He's the one that we may and we do put all our trust in. And he has passed that staff or baton down through the ages to all his children. Now it is your turn and my turn. Do wield it. Do pass it on with vigour, with passion and with grace. May God bless these few remarks and make them useful and may these things challenge us to go into this coming week taking that great story of God. He is to be trusted, as you know. I know you believe that, as these wonderful posters tell me it all.